Amen. Well, let's give Jesus a hand and have a seat. Oh, if that was for me, that would be okay, but let's give Jesus a hand. Uh, yeah, that's better. Amen. He's worthy of the praise, and he deserves it. And, and so we um, have given the month of July to talking about identity, um, and I, I feel like I may be taking a slight detour in this message, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, when I was praying Monday, um, I was sitting on my couch praying and just kind of had my face in my hands and just praying to God and seeking him on some things. And the only word that kept dropping in my spirit was this word called hope. Um, and I said, well, Lord, I think we, you want to do something with this. And he said, yeah, I want, I want to remind people that they have hope. This is so important because we live in a world that tries to steal hope from us every single day. Uh, we deal with circumstances and situations and things that come in our life to rob us of our hope. And so we want to be reminded here in this, this portion of this series that we as children of God are people of hope. Can we say amen? We're, we're people of hope. This is important because we need people should come around us and their hope should increase. Their expectations should arise. They should be Encouraged, and it's not just because of who we are, what we do, but but the God that's on the inside of us. Uh, so, two things: we need to be reminded that we have hope, and we need to be hope dealers. You know, we need to, to really extend the hope that God gives us to those that we come in contact with. And so, when I began to, to dig and look at what this actually means, because I feel like this word kind of gets tossed around. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for this. So. I hope for that. I really hope that they have the buy one, get one free at Publix. This, you know, it just get, that word kind of just gets tossed around. But really, when we think about it, hope is what? It's a certain expectation or desire for a thing to happen. Or it's a feeling of trust. So it's not just hope really is tied to this word called expectation. Now, think back to something you had been praying about or, or looking for or expecting in your life and, and what was going on in your mind and in your heart when you felt that what you were hoping for and what you were expecting was actually a possibility. That's a much different feeling from when you had expectation and hope and things that you were trusting and believing and praying for and it looks like there's no possibility. So, so we're on different sides of the spectrum when we talk about it. There are two sides of an extreme here. Yeah, when I feel like what I'm hoping for is going to happen, I'm excited, I'm motivated, I'm passionate. You can't stop me. I'm believing God for everything. But when I feel, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't, I don't know what the end's going to be. It's almost like there's a draining. You ever been there? A, a draining of your energy, a draining of your passion when you feel like the things that you're expecting, the things that... Uh, you were hoping for it didn't come to pass or that they didn't happen in the way that you thought they would. I've often said this in this church before. We often reject gifts that God sends to us because we don't like the way they're packaged. And so many times we reject it and send it back. You've been down the, the grocery aisle where you can have the same corn, right? But if there's a dent in the container, you put that one back. Now, it's the same corn. Nothing's wrong with the package other than the dent. But because we don't like the way it's packaged, we'll move all of them out of the way to get one that has no dents on it. And sometimes I think we get confused even uh, spiritually because we'll come into contact with people who have dents on them. 
and we end up putting them back instead of not realizing that maybe God has put a blessing inside of them or put something inside of them to cause my own hope and my own expectation to rise, but I reject it because I don't like how it's packaged. You with me? All right, so let's move with this. It's a hope. It's also a feeling of trust. So hope is not always tied to a certain thing. Sometimes it's, it's you ever said, I'm believing God for this, such and such and so and so. But sometimes it's taking the four part off of it and just saying, I believe God. In spite of what I'm facing, in spite of the storms that I'm going through in my life, I just trust God. I don't trust him to do it my way. I don't trust him to do this. I just trust him. That's real hope. And so let's, let's look at some things and, and how we can develop this a little bit more. Psalm 42 and verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for who? You, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear uh, before God? I'm starting with this for a reason because I think that sometimes our hope and our trust and our faith is strong, but it's misplaced. We have it in the wrong direction. We have it in what we think people should do. We have it in what we think this one should have done for us. But really, our hope should be in God and God alone. Because that's the only one that we can truly trust and depend on and count on. And you'll meet some faithful people in your life, and I'm not diminishing that. But at the end of the day, even the most faithful person will fail you at some point. But God never fails. You can always count on him to come through in the way that he needs to, right? So, so supernatural living and hope requires that we stay hungry for God. If we really want to be people of hope, we have to stay hungry for God and not just for what he can do for us, not just for his hand, but we got to be hungry for his face. You know, many times we're, we're, we're hopeful of just what he, what he can do, what we can get out of life. He can get me out of this jam or that jam, or he can make everything perfect in my life. But really, I just need to get hungry for him again. You ever had someone you just like being around them? Like you could be in the same room and you didn't have to talk. You just hang out. Like we, now, now there's a truth to that. I, I love my wife and she's not here, so I might say some things that, I can get away with a little bit more. She's got a good reason to not be here today. But my point is, she's a talker. She likes to talk, and if there's not words coming out, we think that, you know, sometimes she thinks there's, you know, there's a problem or a situation. And me, I can just be in the room. We don't have to talk. I'm good. I still, I still love you just as much, even if we're not talking. <laughs> you know, I just like being around you. And sometimes I wonder if, we pray or we seek the face of God or we're spending time with him. And sometimes he's like not talking back to us. We're not feeling anything in our spirit. But he's just like, ah, you know what? I love my child. I just want to be around you. I just want to be in your presence for a little. I want you to be in my presence. I just want you to enjoy me for a while. And I think that he brings us back to these things. So anyway, anything that d diminishes our desire for God is not worth keeping quiet. Anything that dilutes my desire for God is just not worth hanging on to. Now, we have these things in our life, and sometimes it's, called, it's a slow drip. It doesn't happen immediately. And I'm laying this foundation for a reason, because it'll keep our hope in the right place. But we don't want to hang on to things that drain our love, our passion, and desire for God. 
things that keep me from his presence. Now, we know life happens, but if you start to get around people and, they, and you actually pray less and seek him less, and this is not about works, but and, and you, you come to church less, then maybe you need to reevaluate whether that is really a relation. You know what I'm saying? It's not February. We're not doing relationship goals, but this is just a side note uh, for that. And so he says this, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day, where is your God? So here's what happens when we need hope the most. Sometimes the voices that used to encourage us and encourage us the most seem to be absent. You ever been there like, I really just need a word from God. I just need encouragement from him. And you're looking for it here and there and you can't find it anywhere. As a matter of fact, people begin to look at your situation. They look at the things that you're going through and they ask this question. Um, I know you have a relationship with God, but, but where, where's your God? Hmm. They're like, where is your God in this? You, you, you talked about how he was going to set you free, how he was going to heal you, how he was going to do things in your life. But, but we're looking at you and nothing seems to be changing. And so sometimes what starts off as encouragement from people ends up being more discouragement. This is what's happening here. Where, 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 is, where is your God? Where is he? And here's the point. Just because God is silent does not mean he's absent. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. You know, and I've used this illustration, but I think it's fitting. You know, when you've gone through school and you're sitting there and, they, you know, every time you come in the classroom, the teacher's got the lesson on the board and they're teaching you. You're working in groups. Everybody's communicating until test time. And then test time comes and she says, all right. As soon as I hand out the first test to the first person, nobody talking. My question to you is, has the teacher left the room? The teacher has not left the room. It's just silent. And it's the same thing with God. Just because you don't hear him moving or you don't hear him giving you instruction in the moment does not mean he has left your life. You don't have to lose your hope because you don't hear him talking. He's in the room, but he's silent. The psalmist says, when your tears are talking to you, make sure, and this is, this is the, the principle, when your tears are talking to you, make sure they deliver the right message. When your tears are talking to you, make sure they deliver the right message. We can be pressed so hard in life that we get a really, really, really good cry in. But it's important in the midst of that to make sure that we're understanding properly what those tears are. Because there's some tears that give us the release that they need, and there's some that just keep us stuck in our mess. And we have to be able to distinguish the difference. And so how do we have hope? We have to deal with um, these things that come in our life on a, a regular basis. And I'm, I'm not really so much trying to excite you today. Um, I just wanted to, to maybe leave you with a couple of nuggets that help you get your hope back. Uh, but there's some things that interfere with it. And Jesus, in a parable, he talked about some things that, that come very practically in our lives that, that can drain out what God is doing. In Mark 4, 19, this is what it says. It says, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, enter in and do what? And it proves unfruitful. So here's how that looks really practically is for us, we do everything we're supposed to do. We serve, we pray, we read, we, we're faithful in our church attendance and all of these things. 
But when we allow other things to come in our life, the cares of the world, they're going to come, but it's what they do. <laughs> Deceitfulness of riches. We all deal with these things, but, but they come with a specific reason, and they come to choke out what God is speaking to your heart. And so anytime you, you, know, you get, man, I read the word and I saw this really amazing, exciting promise and I'm, I'm claiming it for me. But then things you go through and things you experience begin to choke. Try to strangle that word and make it unfruitful in your life. And so we have to begin to, to keep our hope. We have to begin to interpret our testing properly. We have to begin to deal with what comes at us in the proper way and know why it's coming. Um, we have to begin to know how to silence the voices of discouragement um, that come in our life. You ever been discouraged? Raise your hand, be honest. You ever, honestly, man, I, I, it's always strange to me. You could be so motivated and like and passionate about whatever it is that God wants you to do, and all it takes is one thing and one word, and somebody's like somebody popped a balloon and deflated. So you got to be, it, it's important to make sure that we're around situations and people that don't choke the word of God out of our life. So here's if you want to take a note, here's a note. Only give access to things that give life and not steal it. If you want to keep your hope, you have to protect the level of access that people have to your life. And, and, and I need to say this because in this generation where we love everybody and we want to be around everybody and we, we should be to a degree, but we have to be careful about opening our heart completely to people that drain life. You need to get around life givers. You need to get around people. In a conversation, one or two things should be happening. You should be giving life or receiving it. I mean, this is the way it is. And what happens is that some of us, we can't stay encouraged because the voices that we allow in our life are constantly discouraging. And I'm not talking about honesty. We have to have honesty. But, but you should be better after having a conversation with me, not worse. That's just the way I believe it. I believe that. Look at Jesus' life. When he came into contact with kids, with blind people, with sick people, and they had an encounter with him, they left better, not worse. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want to get around your kids and your kids are better because of you? And you get around people on your job and they're better because of you. And people who've lost hope, they get around you and they feel hope rising up again. Sometimes you just need to get around people who say, you know what, you can make it another day. Sometimes you need to be the person and you see someone discouraged and you need to deal some hope and say, hey, you got this. One more day. You, you got it. You just have to get through today. Hmm. Everything that desires our attention does not deserve our attention. Just because something desires your attention doesn't deserve it. Doesn't mean it deserves it. Psalm 42, verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with a throng and leave them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of song and praise and a multitude-keeping festival. Remembering God's goodness will help sustain us during the hard times. This is why what that verse is really teaching us is it may not be going the way I want it to now. I may have lost hope now, but one of the ways to regain it is to rehearse what he's already done for me. Or, or isn't it amazing, and, and I don't know if you can identify with this like I can. I'm sure you can. That God can do so many amazing things for us. I mean, just we didn't know how he was going to work this miracle or that miracle. We didn't know how he was going to, to fix this thing. And he did all of that, and then when we meet this trial, we wonder how. 
Isn't it? I mean, I, you, can you look back and laugh at it? I'm like, man, God, man, he really came through with provision so many times in my life. And, but I've reached this situation. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. We are, we're all there. I'm not making fun. I, mean, I just think, like, looking back on it, because when I meet my next test, I might be, <laughs> you know, but like, man, I don't know how God did it, but he did. And I was like, one of the greatest models of hope for me was my grandmother. And y'all have heard me tell this story, man. She just served the Lord faithfully, but she was like, you know, and she would talk about, hey, uh, me and Pops, we would go and preach and do this, and then we'd come home and There'd be no food in the refrigerator, and we just didn't know how we're going to do it. And so we just, we didn't know to do anything but just get on the couch and pray. You know, I I know we don't teach and preach like this too much now. It's not the cool thing to do. But this is the kind of faith they grew up on. They just, you know, we just get in a little apartment, sit on this couch, and they had plastic seat covers over the couch. I never really understood that. (laughs) Don't mess up my good furniture. Well... Anyway, so, so me and Pops would just be praying. And as we were praying, we'd hear, and just saying the groceries would just be there. And we'd talk to them and, say, and they'd say, you know what? God told us to come and, and just bring you groceries. And she, she said that they, they lived like that. And when she got to the point where she was just so, when she got to the point where she couldn't really make it out to church anymore, and, you know, let me tell you, she was one of the most faithful people I ever knew. And I hope this is encouraging to somebody. But when she got to the point where she couldn't even get to church anymore, she, her health had declined, she called me. She, she called me and she said, Shannon, how was church today? What, what, was the, what were your points? If I was preaching, what were your points? If my dad was preaching, she'd be like, well, what did he say? I'd be like, it was a good word. No, but what did he say? <laughs> and she went, all right, Shannon, come when you get a chance, come over, make sure you, you get my offering, get my tithe. And I'm like, she's 80-something years old. And she's like, I'm not missing my blessing for anything. I'm not missing my hope for anything. And we have to have that kind of relentless spirit when it comes to living for God, that even in the midst of health challenges and even in the midst of that, we've got to remember what God did before. We've got to remember that he brought me out of it before, that he lifted me up before, that he helped me before, and that will help me maintain hope to realize he can do it again today. Can we say amen? Amen. I don't know what you're facing. Honestly, I don't know what you've dealt with this week, but if you just keep your hope and your expectation in God, you will make it through. And so here's the question. The next question of the text says, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Let's get real here for a minute. You will go through some stuff in your life that messes you up internally. It's different for everybody. Some, sometimes it, some people it's the way they grew up. Some people it's the, the relationships they've been in. For other people it's the, the, the fierce fire of the test that they're going through, and it will send your soul into turmoil. But what I like about the psalmist is he knew how to talk to himself. See, some of us think when we talk to ourselves, we're crazy. But as believers, we should be talking to ourselves more than anybody else, according to the word of God. And so here's what it says. He said, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I can't passively read this. Hope in God, for I shall again do what? Praise him, my salvation and my God. The answer to distress and discouragement is hope. 
and praise. Sometimes, sometimes your praise will be confusing to the people looking at your life because they'll look at you and say, what do you have to praise him for? And you have to tell them, I'm not praising him based on where I'm sitting right now. I'm just putting a down payment on where he's taking me. See, praise, when, when I can praise him when it doesn't look like it, when I can praise him in the storm, he can trust me to give him glory when I'm out of it. That's hope. My hope and my praise are only as powerful as the object that I put them in, though. That's where we got to bring this thing back now. My hope is only as strong as where I place it. This is why we lose it, because we are disappointed with what we think people should have done. And anytime I, I, I begin to scratch the surface of this, I feel the need to just be, be as candid as I can be, because there are some people in your life and there's things that they should have done. I'm not diminishing that. But at the end of the day, even if they don't do what they said they were going to do or what they should have done, your hope shouldn't be in them. You've got to be like, uh, I want to say it was the book of Esther, um, and her uncle said, look, um, there's some things you're supposed to do, but don't get it twisted. He said, if you don't do it, God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else. <laughs> That's, he told that to his niece. He said, God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else, and you'll be lost. <laughs> and so you need to begin to realize and, and this is where your faith can really get strong because you can realize that even if the people in your life don't do what they should do, God's got somebody waiting. God, God is never trying to figure out how he's going to solve your issue. Can, can you get with that? Can you really grasp the fact that God is not having a board meeting? Try, trying to figure out how he's going to work it out. He's not, he's not having meetings with the angels of heaven saying, well, we got to figure out how we're going to get them out of this. Before you got to it, he already had a saw. Uh, he already had a saw. You know, before you get to the battle, it's already won. This is, the re this is not me trying to hype you up. This is the reality of Scripture and the reality of hope is that if you trust God, no matter what storm you are in, you'll get to the other side. I, 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 I love the fact that sometimes I think we can read the Bible too fast. This is a detour, but not really. He tells the disciples, let's get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Once Jesus said, let's go to the other side, they were going. You, you follow me? Because the word of God is true. It's right. So he said, when he said, let's go to the other side, they had to get to the other side. He didn't tell them about the storm. He didn't tell them about the winds. He didn't tell them about the waves. He just said, let's go to the other side. And so when you go through the story, the storm rises, the waves rise, they go through something, the boat is rocked, and some of y'all boat is rocking right now different things in your life, and you're like, I started this journey, I obeyed God, I did what he said, but look at where I am right now. You been there, or is it just me? Okay. Where, where God showed you, he said, I'm, I'm calling you to do something. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you to step out further. I'm calling you to get in the boat with me. And he, he, he kept the detail from you about the storms you were going to go through. He said, you know what, I... He, God is, he's got a sense of humor because he says, I love you so much, I'm not going to tell you about this part. I just need you to know we're going to the other side. Then we get in the boat and he falls asleep. And it's like, wait a minute, not Jesus, for real? 
Do you, do you not, all of us, you, you see this boat rocking right now? And you taking a nap? Get up, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says, and he's so merciful because he says, I'm not going to deal with y'all first. Let me deal with this storm that's this mess. Wind, waves, be quiet. Where's your faith? So he's merciful. He'll bring you out of what you're going through. All it needs is a word from God to take you out of that. But he's also going to deal with your faith level in the process. Guys, I'm on the boat with you. And I'm asleep. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Matter of fact, because the rain, the wind, all that stuff has to obey me anyway. Do you realize that your test, this is why you can have hope, because the test that you're going through right now has to submit to the word of God. And so this is considered radical in our day today, but sometimes you got to open your word and find a promise. Walk through your living room. Say sickness, you're going to go. You know, mind trouble, emotional problems, you're going to go. Not because of how good I am, because I got a promise in the word that says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Through this is, you got to walk around your living room and do stuff like that. You got to get in the car and drive around when you don't know where your next meal is coming from and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You got to be able to walk around. Uh, when, when, when you're going to the mailbox, you got to be able to walk to the mailbox and say, um, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seat begging for bread. Because my reality and the reason I have hope is not because of my present circumstances, because of what the word of God says. That is my reality. To maintain hope, I must pursue purpose beyond my pain. Our pain is real. The things that we experience in life, they are very real. I refuse to go to people and say, you know what, that, what you're dealing with, that's no big deal. Because for some of us, we're going through some things that are a big deal. But they're not bigger than God. You have not encountered anything that's bigger than God. So I've got to say that there is purpose beyond this present pain that I'm dealing with right now. Y'all catching this? Because he'll get you tangled and distracted in the quicksand of your present circumstances. We were in the hospital, obviously. <laughs> um, somewhere around, I want to say the second day we were in the hospital, some of our friends had come by to visit. And I want to just tell you this because I want to build your faith a little bit because some of we need it. If we come to church, our faith should increase, not decrease. Uh, but they're coming to visit Jess and the baby. And, you know, they brought some I don't even remember what they brought, but they, it's a blur. Some of that's a blur. <laughs> but this story's not a blur because I think it'll build uh, your faith. And they began to tell me, they said, you know, we had just um, went and got approved for a house. And we, we tried to, we did all that and they told us. But then we got to closing or we're getting to closing and tell us, hey, we need $25,000 to do this at the last minute. And I was like, I got to be honest with you. I'm tired. I haven't slept for two days. <laughs> so at this point, I'm listening to this, and I'm tired. And, but my, my heart was like, man, we need to pray right now. Let's just, let's just pray and see what God does. Not, not, I say this for two reasons. Listen to the nudgings of God when he tells you to pray. 
I know we have formulas and schemes and plans for everything, but sometimes we just got to pray because God wants to interrupt our plan. So they're like, okay. And so I said, let's just stop. Let's just pray. We pray. I got a call. They said, you know what? Before we got out of the parking lot of the hospital, it turned around. Didn't need it. Got approved. Closed. Done. Finished. Here's, here's my point. Some of you, have you been experiencing testing for a long time? I'm not talking about these short tests. I'm talking about struggles that you've been dealing with for a long time. This is why you need to be encouraged because it only takes God to say one thing about it, <laughs> to change it. So all we have to do in the middle of the process is maintain our hope in him. Because even if you've been through it five years, 10 years, 20 years, all he has to do is breathe on it, speak over it now, and it can turn around just like that. So my declaration in the moment of testing is I'm coming out. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I have hope in God who has the power and the ability to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ever ask, think, or imagine. Can we say amen? So we have to maintain purpose beyond our pain. Psalm 42, verse 5. Uh, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you in the land of Jordan. Talk about that word remember again. And of Hermon and Mount Mezar. Deep calls the deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers, your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? First of all, this is actually a confusing passage of scripture because the psalmist is saying that he commands his steadfast love every day. But we get to the end of it and he's like, why have you forgotten me? You ever felt like your faith and your hope were moving like that? God's got this. God, what are you going to do? I'm healed. I don't know how I'm going to get well. I have all I need. Man, I need some more. Our faith is kind of, because we're flesh, we're human. It's just kind of, but the Lord gives us daily faithfulness. And that's my prayer. My prayer after preparing this message was, Lord, show me your daily faithfulness. Give me a song at night and a life of prayer. The end of the day, if we think about if we, how powerful those three things are working together. Waking up in the morning, Lord, you're faithful. Sometimes that's all you need to know. When I come into contact with you, Brother John, I, I don't need to always have a deep word for you. Sometimes it needs to be as simple as, yeah, God is faithful. You made it this far, he'll bring you through. But what about a song at night when I go to sleep? You ever had that? You, you have a song that's on repeat right now? Don't underestimate the power of having a song in your heart. And then that last part, having a life of prayer. Sometimes I want people to look at me and think I'm a little crazy because I'm always talking. Upward. You crazy, you're fanatical. No, no, actually some of the stuff that we call radical should be normal. It should be normal. A conversation with the Lord, seeing past our present circumstances should be normal. Your problems cannot overshadow his presence or his power. Is this encouraging you? 
that was my only hope today was to just come and just encourage you to have some hope. Your problems cannot overshadow his presence or his power, so it's important for us to know what to look at. Let me be honest with you, the, the, the three days we were in the hospital, man, every, every day they were coming in with something else. This is stuff that I didn't tell people when they were visiting. Every, well, we're worried about this. We're concerned about that. Concerned about this. You know, finally in my heart, I just said, you know what, be concerned about whatever you want. But God brought him here and he's going to be just fine. Amen. And you know what, he's home and he's just fine. I'm going to finish, I promise. I'm just talking my heart today because I think somebody needs to hear this. Write this down. It's not in the notes. There's a difference between facts and truth. There's a difference between facts and truth. Just because it's a fact doesn't mean it lines up with God's truth. It may be a fact you're where you are right now, but his truth says you're going where he wants to take you. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? We see that again. We must maintain a voice of faith in the crowd of doubt. We have to have a voice of faith. So, somebody in the pity party has got to get up and say it's not going to be this way always. Because you'll find that sometimes we want to be around people that allow us to continue to just... Sometimes you got to feel it, get it out, and go on. And those are some good friends that say, yes, I get you. I know what you're feeling, but this is where God wants to, to go. So it's not that we ignore it. It's just, I know this is where we are, right? You're struggling, but the struggle is almost over. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Same thing. The reason I'm fascinated by Psalm 42 is because you see this same sequence several times. And what I got out of it is this. Sometimes we're looking for God to give us a new direction for the same problem. God, tell me something else. <laughs> tell me this, tell me that. And he's saying, no, hope in me. That's the same answer. Stand in hope. But God, how are you going to do it? That's not your concern. That's my concern. Stand in hope. God, how are you going to fix this thing going on in my family? I'll fix it. You just stand. God is almost like, I think sometimes he's like, either it's, either it's your problem or it's mine. <laughs> My wife hates lizards. Somebody's like, what does this have to do with hope? So, I mean, she hates them to the point that one had gotten in the house and she locked the door, left the house till I got back home. Locked the room it was in. Locked it. It's a lizard. You're locking the door. It's not going to make a difference. So she locked, she literally locked it. I'm like, okay, he's gonna climb up and anyway. He's in, I got home. He's in there. I'm assuming you want me to deal with this now. Yes, ma'am. If your wife wants you to deal with something now, just say yes, ma'am. It's the smartest answer you can give. 
Glory to God. Anyway, so I go in there and I have my little makeshift trap that I'm going to get him, a Tupperware container. I threw it away, so if you come over, we don't use it. But here's the funny part about it. As I got down on my knees to try and, because he was still there for some reason, and now I'm, I'm trapping it. I'm going to solve this problem. You know where she is? She's right over my shoulder. <laughs> Did you get him yet? Maybe you should do this. You ever, you, you ever solving a problem for your wife and she's looking over your shoulder saying, maybe you should do it this way? And you know what? You, the, first, the first two or three times you just keep looking at what you're doing because you don't want to react. Because if you react, they know, man, they know. <laughs> they do, they know. God made them that way for a reason. Can't get anything past them. So I'm sitting there, I'm doing this. Did you get it? Do it this way. Did you get it? And finally, I looked up at her slow. She knows this too. I was like, And I said, do you want to do this? Or do you want me to do it? I can't help but wonder if God sometimes. Same way. We pray to him. We ask him to help. Can I be honest with y'all today? Pastor you for a minute. Sometimes my prayers are not an hour long. Sometimes my Bible study is an hour long because sometimes I just need help. And so my prayer to him is, God, help. But in the midst of that cry for help, we have to make sure that we're releasing our problem. (laughs) Because it can't be both of our problems. It's either my problem or it's his problem. See, that's where the hope comes in. I can have hope when I realize, God, you called me this. That's your problem. That envelope you're worried about, God, here's your bill. (laughs) You told me to do it. Here it is. Speak to people. Come on. Is this real? Talk talk to people. Obviously, they can't hear me, so let you talk to them. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that you you have. I'm, I'm, I'm using different examples. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life, it can't be your problem and his problem. How many of you need to release some stuff today? Just lift you. No shame. You just some things in your heart. You just need you need to release them today. You just need to let them go. They're not, they're not your problem anyway. Here's the encouragement that we receive in Romans 15:4. This is why the word of God is so important. He says, For whatever was written in former days were written for our instruction. That through what? Endurance. Sometimes you just got to go through. God blesses you sometimes to allow you to go around, right? Sometimes he moves it out of the way, but sometimes the only way to it is through it. But here's the part that I love. And through encouragement. Endurance was never meant to be divorced from encouragement. Because if you're placed in a situation where all you can do is endure and you have no encouragement, I'm going to be real with you. You won't make it. We're not built for that. But endurance and the encouragement, but not just any kind of encouragement, the encouragement of the word of God, of the scriptures, we might have what? That's why we have Noah who can save his family in the midst of a storm. 
He's called to build something that's never been done before for an event that's never happened before. People were looking at him like he had seven heads. You're going to build a boat that big? Because it's going to rain. we never seen that before either. Okay, Noah, go for it. But guess what? <laughs> what never happened eventually happened. And he was able to hide in what was never built before. <laughs> we can hope because there's things people like Noah, Abraham, you're going to have a child. You're right, God. Have you seen me? Have you seen Sarah? Not going to have a child. He says, okay, Sarah, by this time next year, you'll have a son. <laughs> Guess what? That time that year, she had a son. I'm telling you these things because that's why scripture gives us hope. It's not because they're fairy tales or stories or, or things. Because if you, if you read them like that, you divorce what actually is intended. These are real people with real issues. But they had a real relationship with God. Because they did. We can go back. We can read their stories. We can have endurance. We can have dope. Bow your head. Everyone bow your head at this time. And not necessarily your traditional three-point, four-point message. I just want to drop off some hope today. I want you to get in your, in your mind and in your heart right now that thing that you're dealing with. Whatever it is. I feel it so strongly. So I'm not going to argue with it. You came in. You smiled, but there's areas of your life where you lost hope. You've given up. It's always going to be this way. They're always going to be this way. It's never going to change. I'm always, I'm going to stay sick. I'm going to stay in lack. I'm going to stay emotionally messed up. No one loves me. No one cares about me. I'm invisible. I keep trying. Nothing ever works out. My back is against the wall right now. Nobody even knows it. Nobody even knows how far my back is against the wall. Matter of fact, I'm so pressed against the wall, I could be part of the paint. And nobody knows it because I smile and hug you. And I tell you, God is good and he's faithful, but on the inside, my hope is strained. You've even said, God, I, if you don't come through, this is it. We're, we're, I'm done. We're done. Unless you come through. If you'd be honest with your head bowed, eyes closed, if that is you, there's no judgment here. Nobody's looking around. Just slip your hand up quickly enough for me to see who I'm praying for. That's it. Amen. 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 I saw you. I saw you. I saw you. We often take for granted that we come in and we're all believers already. But if you're here, before I can pray for that, I need to deal with this. If you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you have had a relationship with him, but somewhere along the way it got rocky, it got uh, messed up along the way, and, and you need to come back to him. This is your invitation today. If that's you, slip your hand up. I can pray for you as well. Just I need to get back on the course. I need to get back on the track. Because God has an order. We want him to fix certain things, but the relationship has to be right first. 
I can't tell my wife, hey, I'm taking you for a steak dinner. But we haven't worked out what we need to work out first. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up everyone in this room right now. So many have come in with secret struggles, private struggles, private wars. Saved but battling, saved but struggling. And Lord, I, I pray that you would encourage those who have lifted their hands. Back is against the wall. They're having a hard time believing, hard time trusting. Physically sick. Physically sick. If that's you, slip your hand up. Sorry. All right. Didn't want to miss that. I want to pray for you. Father, those who have come in with all types of battles, physically, emotionally, spiritually, Lord, I ask that you would be God in their life right now. Give them a revelation of yourself. If we don't have revelation, all we have is information. But if you reveal yourself to us, we'll never be the same again. And so, Lord, those who need you to be healer in their life, meet them at that point of need right now. But do it in a way that they realize that it was only you. So in that healing, reveal yourself to them. Those who are, need emotional healing, Lord, cover them, comfort them, protect them, guide them. In the mighty name of Jesus, those who have decisions that need to go in their way and go in their favor, God. Clothe them with your favor right now in the name of Jesus. Restore their hope. Let hope rise right now. Those who gave up on the call that you have for their life, set them back on the course that you have for them. cancel every hurtful word, every criticism. Fill them with your passion. Your word says those who hunger and thirst for you shall be filled. Hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And Lord, as I pray, and we dismiss right now, give us that desire of the deer that pants for the water. Let our soul long for you. And in loving you, let us know that everything else is taken care of, is handled, because our eyes are focused on you. Bring restoration. Bring revival. Bring hope. Bring faith. Bring peace. And now repeat after me. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for choosing me. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed going out. Blessed coming in. My family, it's blessed. It's protected. My children, they're blessed. They're protected. I walk in favor. In Jesus' name, I'm a child of the King. I have everything I need and things are working out in my favor.
for the glory of God, for the advancement of the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Go on and give Jesus a hand. Please don't leave before I get a chance to, to just hug you and, and say hi to you before you go. I know some of us like to get on to our lunch or whatever. And, um, I'm going to let you go. I love each and every one of you. But more importantly than that, God loves you and he has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. I pray you were encouraged. I pray that you were blessed. Let me pray us on the way out. Father, we thank you for everyone here. We thank you for the blessing of God that's upon their life. Lord, we thank you for the increases upon their life. Give them favor this day. Give them a blessed, safe, prosperous week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And let everyone that agrees with that shout amen. amen. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. If you need prayer, if you do need prayer, individual prayer, um, prayer team is up here. They're happy to just agree with you for whatever God wants to do in your life. Use them in Jesus' name. Amen.